With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to the We've Got 10 Days to Go to the Trading Deadline Edition of Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son of West Coast correspondent, Will. And uh, we're just kind of finding time. Uh, we're recording this on Friday before the Minnesota series starts, after the Mets series finished. Uh, White Sox are 41 and 57, nine games behind the Twins, seven behind the Guardians, 13 and a half out of a wild card spot. Uh, but with the big win over the Mets on Thursday, Dakota has moved up to a prediction of 72.6 victories for the season. Not bad. I also. I also figured out the current pace is for 68 wins, so that shows an improvement. They think in okay. computers think there's been an improvement. And I checked it out to get to 500. Now, it's possible 500 could take the division. I don't think it will. I think it's going to be like 82 and 8 will yeah. end up taking the division, <laughs> but which is the worst record that has ever taken the division, but it'd just be a tie for that because that's happened before. Uh, they would have to go 40 and 24 the rest of the year. And that is a pace equal to 101 wins for the season. <laughs> I don't think anybody believes this is a 101 win baseball team. I don't think I'm buying that they go 24 and 40 for the rest of the year. <laughs> well, we do have to, before, you know, obviously it's easy to talk about what's not going well. But on Tuesday, we were the best division in all of baseball. On Tuesday and only Tuesday. We were the best division in all of baseball. We talk about the double AL Central uh, all the time, but we were at least the triple AL Central on Tuesday. And offensively. Yes, offensively, yes. <laughs> we were, uh, I, I think it was the first time in, in twenty over 20 years since a division, every single team scored over 10 runs on the same day. Uh, so that's, uh, I think this, this, is, this past Tuesday is a day we will look back at fondly. Uh, for the 2023 AL Central. Um, But the White Sox, I believe we can just, you know, uh, the large, the the rotund lady can now sing this season. (laughs) I I think the rotund lady is deep into the aria and is, in fact, on the third verse. We're in Act 3. They've already had two meal breaks at this opera. She's coming out for the 11 o'clock number. She is absolutely crushing it. The only thing that can happen now is that every person in the audience and every other person on stage 
uh, he gets deeply ill and injured and can no longer watch or perform the opera. Uh, and by that, I mean the AL Central has to collapse like a dying star at this point for the White Sox to even have a chance in the worst division in baseball. Uh, it's not going to happen. It baseball is history. Baseball history, yes. <laughs> uh, it is over. It is over, White Sox fans. I'm sorry if you are tuning into this podcast for the first time that you have to hear us calling the end of days, but that is where we are. It is over. Well, I think everybody else has called it, too, so it's not like we're standing out there. What? Those people are pessimists. <laughs> <laughs> I had – now, the question is, what do we – who goes? And that's been discussed a lot, not by us, but by by us, but also by everybody else. What's been discussed less is who comes. What, what are you going for? What are you trying to get? I did a piece for this week, which is on Southside Sox right now, went up this morning, uh, where I – talked about the great importance of catchers, which I believe in. And I think anybody who follows baseball believes in. I think even Rick Hahn believes in because he went out and got Yasmani Grandal, which paid off for a couple of years. It doesn't pay off anymore, but it did. I mean, it was not a bad yeah. move when, when he did. Yeah, at the time, um, sure. Grandal is now a humongous defensive liability. So, you know, just kind of cruise off on that. But um, the importance of catchers, and I looked up catchers, catching prospects. And on MLB, a lot of different prospect lists, but I used MLB.coms. Uh, in the top 10 catching prospects in baseball, several are on teams that are not going to be buying at the deadline. But two teams, and there are two teams that have two each in the top 10. One is the Angels, and I don't think the Angels are buying at the deadline. I, that's that's just not going to happen. They're, they're much better than the Sox, but they're not good enough. Yeah, they might not be selling Otani, but they're not buying prospects yeah. uh, they're, they're just going to sit there and, and ride it out uh the other is the dodgers and the dodgers have diego cartaya who is their number one prospect and one of the top prospects in all of baseball and that is one possibility and then the other one suddenly i've got gotten brain dead brandon 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 uh, Brandon. We'll just call him Brandon. <laughs> oh, where, where did I go? Sorry, I think I even had it written down somewhere at some point. Ah. Um, and um, and I, I mean, I wrote it. I wrote a big article about it this morning. <laughs> You're showing your geezerness. You're showing your geezerness. Oh, oh well, here's, sure. here's all, I'll, I'll say something briefly about Diego. We'll go on first names in case we never get Brandon's uh, last name. But Diego... Uh, I think is staying put. I I don't see a world where the Dodgers are willing to part with uh, Diego for you know a, a rental. I, I don't think they. I don't think they are either. And Brandon yeah. turns out to be Dalton. They're <laughs> talking about Dalton oh. rushing. Okay. And, yes. And, and the the big advantage of trying to get Cartaya over rushing is that Cartaya could be in the majors next year. Rushing will not be. Uh, he is. But we in, also don't necessarily. I mean, the White Sox aren't going to be good for. Next well, I, I, not think, the I year. think next year is a wipeout. I mean, I, I think pretty much all yeah. Sox fans are saying, we'll forget about 2024. We're gearing for 2025. And I don't think any of us care if they don't, if they only sell uh, guys who are, who are gone at the end of the year, free agents at the end of the year, like Giolito and Middleton. And 
Pound Doll if you could get anything. I, I don't think most fans care if they give away the guys for whom there are uh, for whom there's one more year of contract or there's a team option for next year. Uh, which would be Tim Anderson, for example. Yeah. Uh, Joe Kelly, for example. Kendall Graveman, for example. Uh, Liam Hendricks, or I think I think we fandom would go crazy if they traded Hendricks. But uh, so my my proposal was that, that the the Dodgers need middle infield help because of all the injury problems they had, both both free agent last year losing losing Turner and then Lux being lost for the year. Uh, they've got a very good defensive shortstop. It, have you gotten any games down there where you've watched Rojas uh, with the glove? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Maggie Rowe. I love his defense. His, his bat needs to catch a little bit of fire. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the middle infield for the Dodgers is in desperate need of, of attention. But not as much as the, the starting rotation, you know. Yeah, that's well, where, that's, that's, that's what... And and the bullpen, but they had the next to worst bullpen in the majors for a long time there. Yeah, the bullpen is is definitely showing signs of life. Uh, that was a big concern with the Dodgers earlier. Uh, they'll definitely be looking for bullpen help, uh, but the starting rotation has been decimated by by injuries. I mean, they are the Dodgers are now looking at a Julio Urias who may or may not be back to form. He kind of is going back and forth. He looks stellar one time, not so stellar. And then Tony Gonsolin. And outside of that, you know, Kershaw's on the IL. Uh, everyone else is out. They're saying Walker. I read Kershaw's supposed to be back soon. He's or supposed to be back that. soon. Yeah, yeah. He's not on the, the long IL, but he is. he's he's out for some time. And then so My proposal got... was Los Angeles person. You can look at it from both a Sox fan and Los Angeles person perspective. Lucas Giolito. Tim Anderson, Joe Kelly, if he's healthy, Keenan Middleton, if Kelly's not healthy, for uh, Dalton Rushing, and uh, a Dodger pitching prospect. Not not the ones that they've had to bring up to the majors already, but pitching prospect ready for 2025, but which they have a bunch that are in the top yeah. 100. Right. And, and Dodgers and have an incredible have- farm system. You know, Michael Grove is even uh, a guy who has been called up, who I think they would be willing to part with in these in these conversations as well. Emmett Sheehan and Bobby Miller definitely are sticking around. Uh, they have shown some real signs of life, but Grove needs work, and I'm not sure how patient they'll be. Um, I think that's a good trade. I, I think that's a good trade for both teams because the Dodgers have Will Smith, they have Diego waiting in the wings, so they're they're really. Yeah, they've got, they've got Will Smith. Way. I looked that up. They've got Will Smith for three more years, who is basically yeah. the second best catcher in baseball. Yeah, I mean Will Smith's incredible. He's he's such a great player, and the Dodgers fans love him. Austin Barnes, the backup catcher, is only in the major leagues because Clayton Kershaw demands to pitch to him. Uh, otherwise, there's no way he's even on a major league roster. Uh, but the Dodgers are doing body catcher. So I think Dalton Rushing is certainly a guy that is up for grabs. Uh, Dodgers don't like to part with prospects. Um, you know, for a team that is centered around paying big money, it, I, I give them full credit. They have a hell of a farm system, and they take a lot of pride in their farm system. Um, but I think that Rushing will be the key to 
to getting someone like Giolito. I just saw now that the Diamondbacks are in the conversation for Giolito, which is going to inspire the Dodgers even more. Uh, because... I, think, I think everybody's in the conversation for Giolito. One, uh, one thing I want to say on this piece, okay, so I wrote, I wrote this piece on Wednesday because I was doing the game yesterday. I wouldn't have time to write, so I wrote the piece on Wednesday for, for this morning. Yesterday in The Athletic, Jim Bowden made the same trade. <laughs> Essentially, his was slightly different. He was still getting one of the catchers, uh, and he was going to get two pitchers because he was going to give Giolito and Anderson and Graven, which is the best of the relievers the Sox have to get other than Hendricks, which ain't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so that trade, great minds, Jim Bowden, great baseball mind, uh, and I, great baseball mind, uh, are, are agreeing that this is a trade that looks to happen. And then the Sox go elsewhere with uh, Lance Lynn and uh, swap him. But whether it's Texas, who's shown a lot of interest, I believe the Reds have mentioned some interest. They need some pitching. Uh, they don't normally pay salaries that high, but they got a very low payroll. They can stash them in there when they're being so successful. Uh, the team, other teams for TA, I would think would be the Brewers, but they might not want to pay what he gets paid because uh, Brewers are really hurting the middle infield. They're they're back on a winning streak these days, but their 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 middle infield is is weak. Nobody else do I think. I, and oh, the other thing with TA is I think wherever he goes, almost without exception, and there was one team that thought they could use a shortstop, but almost without exception, he's got to go to second base. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and if he's not. If he's got an attitude about it, it's only going to hurt his case because he he needs to go to second base, and most of these teams who need him need him at second base, not yeah, at shortstop. The Rays, for example, are not going to uh, put him at shortstop. No. That's not going to happen. No, <laughs> but at second base, is, is, is struggle. So uh, that, that's open out there. I, I, I don't know. You can't – if you were a team thinking of, of – wanting to trade for Tim Anderson, you cannot go to Tim Anderson who's under contract to the White Sox and ask, would you play second base for us? Is it okay? You can't do that. But I don't know if you can, once you have talked to the team and you've said, this is what we want to do. This is our trade. You know, you can do pending physical. Lots of trades are done pending physicals. I wonder if you can do like pending psychological (laughs) where, where, where you've made the trade and you say, Look, I, we need to. We just need to talk to Tim and understand he's not going to be upset if he plays second base, whether it's the Dodgers or anybody else, because they're all going to want him at second base. Yeah, um, and we're, we get to sit down and and I think I know Tim wants to be a shortstop. I mean, he's he's said it often enough. But the fact is, can you be the second baseman for a really good team that's going to the playoffs this year and may well make it to the World Series? or a shortstop on a really bad team. Tim's playing very well the last week, and I think he's auditioning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wrote my game piece on, on, on Thursday saying it was a great audition day for Tim Anderson because he, he clobbered the ball. Um, yeah. And made a and, very and, nice play at short. But, and he needed uh, to because just two weeks ago, I couldn't tell you who was even going to want Tim Anderson. Yeah, he was going to have to be a throw-in. He had dropped yeah. off so much. That, you know, and he's reasonably priced. If he's good, he's he's a deal. But if he's bad, he's a major liability. 
And I think if a guy like Tim were to come to a place like Los Angeles, you could see some new life from Tim Anderson. Put him on a winning team that's notorious for a good clubhouse culture, and I think you would see a new version of Tim Anderson. You know, I, I, I'm obviously around the Dodgers a lot here, a lot of Dodgers fans. People are very interested in, in potentially bringing over Tim Anderson, but as a second baseman. People are not looking at him as, oh, he's the shortstop of the future for the Dodgers at all. They, they want him at second base. They want to add in a guy who's going to get on base before all the mashers come up uh, for the Dodgers. He, he could be very valuable to, to the Los Angeles organization. And I think in L.A., there is a spotlight, and he likes the spotlight. But he doesn't have to see the spotlight on him the most. That's Mookie. That's, that's Mookie Betts' job. And, and oh, it's, so- it's, it's Mookie, it's Freddie, it's Will, it's Kershaw. It's all of those guys. He, he, would not, he would not even sort of have a spotlight here until he earned the spotlight here. And I think that's a good place for Tim to be, to come in, be kind of under the radar, and be a new acquisition. Dodgers fans would be very willing to accept his success, uh, and he would be able to earn his way into that spotlight. But he would not come in with the kind of pressure that he has being, you know, sort of the face of the franchise as he is for the White Sox right now and a disappointing face of the franchise at the moment. Yeah, although, as you say, last two weeks have been have been pretty good. Uh, he's, he's, he's really kicked it up maybe last 10 days or so. And we'll see if that can continue for a while, although his swing looks good. I mean, it, it's not like, oh, he got some lucky hits. He's hit the ball very hard. And, and, and you know, with a team like the Dodgers that has – clearly made room for the Otani situation in the offseason. There is money. There is there is a possibility. If you come in and you are gangbusters for the Dodgers down the stretch, they're going to look at keeping you. And Oh, they, you they've know, got a team option. So Yeah. So this that is a, a real serious consideration. So I, I do think it's a good fit. I think Giolito is also a good fit. And I think it's a good trade for the White Sox to make. I, I don't think they're going to get a better package anywhere else. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of teams are interested in these guys. And prices go up as we get closer to the 31st. Well, that's that's an interesting thing that, that is concerning. We always think of the sellers are the ones who want to wait until the 30th or the 31st because the buyers are getting more desperate and more de- But I saw something recently goes. Maybe that goes two ways a little, which is as we get closer, because all along Giolito has been the number one pitcher, even the number one other than Otani, the, num- the number one player that would be eligible at the, at, the, at the trade deadline. Not so what I've seen the last couple of days. And the reason for that is that other teams are now kind of, well, we're going to have to sell. One of the main ones being the Cubs which means Marcus Stroman goes on the block, and all of a sudden Giolito's down to the number two pitcher or number three, if you include Otani. So the Sox could lose a little bargaining power if if that happens. And I'm only paying attention to, to the Cubs because I sit a mile and a half from Wrigley Field. But I'm sure they're tr- it's true of other teams as well are going to have players that could go into the Michigan Mets. I mean, there's, there's talk about Scherzer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big bloated contract, which is a, a different scenario than with Giolito and Stroman. Um, 
I mean, if Stroman is really on the trade block, which he is, because the Cubs are not interested in a long-term deal, I mean, that is the guy to get. That is absolutely the guy to get. And I, I think you're right that if the White Sox were smart, which they are not, uh, but if they were, I would be looking to unload Giolito at some point in the next couple of days versus waiting to the deadline because exactly what you're saying, some of these other guys over the next week are going to all of a sudden become available. And that's when the prices on these White Sox guys, you know, Giolito, he's, he's good, but he's still a gamble. He is not a sure thing to come in and, and pitch really well for you. I mean, he had a bad week this week. He is not, you know, he is not that, that trade candidate where you're foaming at the mouth at the fact that this guy's available. Tim Anderson, same thing. I actually think the sell high point on these guys is over the next few days before the other teams start to make their decisions. Because as soon as the White Sox get in a spot where all these other players are available, then their guys actually aren't looking as good. And they're not going to get, you know, four prospects for this load, whereas they might just get three. They might just get two. And I, I totally agree with you. Do I think the White Sox are going to do that? No. I think they're going to wait till the last second. And they're going to end up, you know, with their foot in their mouth like they always do. Uh, but I, I think that's an astute observation. And you know how much I don't like saying that on this podcast, uh, <laughs> that, that you are making an astute observation. And I, I truly think you're, you're spot on about that. Uh, but let's take our break here. Um, when we come back, we'll, we'll talk more about this. And uh, we will talk about what the White Sox see moving forward. Uh, I guess they still have to play the rest of the season, technically. Um, but, yeah, we will hit that when we get back. Thanks so much. And we'll be right back on Sharing Socks. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We talked about uh, Giolito and Tim Anderson as trade bait uh, quite a bit in the first half. Who else do you think we could be seeing head out oh, yeah. from the organization? Bob, Bob Nightingale had said six guys are going to be gone. Six pitchers are going to be gone at 50-50 on Tim. And he, and he had uh, Giolito. Lynn, I think Lynn's going to be gone. Yeah. Um, he who shall not be named. I don't know if anybody will take him. I, I don't know if anybody's well, interested. Why did you want him? I, I, mean, I would think if you got extra hot dog vendors, you know, maybe you swing them over. But we don't want just any hot dog vendor. We're Chicago hot dog. We're proud of our hot dogs. We can't have. We do. Animals. We do hot dogs very well in Chicago. So we we need a serious hot dog vendor. Uh, and then the the relievers. He included Bummer, which would be a surprise. Aaron pitched well yesterday in Um, uh, although he's had real struggles this year, but he's under contract for a couple more years. Um, yeah. I, there, I think... there, there are people talking about Cease. Houston really wants Cease. Well, Cease is under contract for two, three more years. So it's, that's, that's not going to happen. I, I think Sox cannot aim for, oh, we're going to rebuild for some time in the far flung future. They have to say 2025, by God, we got it. 
Yeah, we're, when you have, when you have Dylan Cease and Luis Robert already on the books in 2025, you kind of need to think about 2025 being a realistic time. And I, I know Han, Han said something about uh, Andrew Vaughn uh, being an untouchable and Eloy Jimenez being – that's crazy. Yeah, Either I one know. of those could go. If, 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 and yes, if you've got them under true. contract for a long time, but they're, they're, they're duplicative. Uh, really, depending on what happens with Yuan Moncada, and I worry that Moncada's never coming back. Yeah. The back injury has gone on and on and on. Back injuries are a real, real problem for third baseman, especially good fielding third baseman, which he most certainly is, was. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, I mean, as I say, Joe Creedy's career, boom. Uh, very young. Yeah, I, I mean, for Moncada at this point, and, you know, as you know, and as anyone who listened to this podcast knows, I am a huge Joan Moncada fan. I, I've always really liked Joan Moncada. I have the same worries you do, that he's not going to be able to play defense anymore. I think best case scenario for Moncada is that he just gets put in a DH role somewhere, because I do actually think that if his sole focus is hitting, he's an extremely valuable DH. He's a switch hitter. He's got power when he's healthy. He's He can be a very smart hitter when he's healthy. But the key thing is when he's healthy. And that could mean it's the end of Moncada's defensive career, which is a bummer because, you know, sometimes we it's see really, really good. We <laughs> see absolute gold glove caliber defense from Yohan Moncada when he's healthy. But if, if sacrificing defense means he can step into a DH role and be a more, you know, full-time guy, I think that's interesting. But we just don't have the information available right now that says he's going to be healthy enough to even do that. If if you knew he was going to be healthy enough to play both ways, then I think Jake Berger's your better first baseman than Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. He's not a good first baseman, but he has almost no practice there. Give, give him a, a season of practice and a spring training of practice. One of Vaughn's problems that there's absolutely nothing he can do about it is that he's five foot ten, and right. that's a small target at first base. Berger looks like he's five foot ten because he's got a little Pillsbury Doughboy. In it. <laughs> I looked it up; he's, he's six two, so that, yeah. that's more first baseman size. That is not just four inches; it's four inches plus your arms are longer, so that's like eight nine inches uh, of actual stretched him. At, and at Jake Berger has shown us that he's going to produce the kind of power that we always expected from Andrew Vaughn. So Jake Berger, if you can get him trained up at first base, which I think you can, uh, he is definitely the better option of the two moving forward. I mean, he's he's got light tower power, and he is showing it. I feel like Jake Berger's the guy on the team right now really making a case for his future uh, a lot more than a lot of the other guys. You know, I don't love guys who bat in the 230 range or the 215, 220, but if you are if you can play a decent first base and you can hit the ball out of the park 30, 35 times, you don't have to be an average, uh, a guy who hits for average in any way, shape, or form in Major League Baseball. Yeah, he's got adjustments to make. He's got things to learn. He strikes out way too much. Of course, um, of course. But, you know, uh, that's also a trend on the team. So <laughs> Yes, Get him a real hitting uh, coach, yeah. and maybe we've got I, something. I, I, but I think there are things you do from here on out, regardless of who gets traded. Oscar Colas stays in right field. I don't care what happens. I don't care if he goes down to hitting 160. Oscar Colas stays in right field, and he gets to work his way out. In And, and he's doing fine, but 
often the league catches up and you, you end up not doing fine after a while. Uh, I think he stays out there against lefties too. But you you give him full and he played against he pit, uh, batted against the lefty yesterday did not do well but it's fine. Uh, I think in the middle infield, you know that Colson Montgomery is going to be your shortstop and uh, barring injury in, in, in 2025. But you give Zach Remillard, man, I love watching this kid. I, mean, I know. <laughs> I know. He's just fun to watch. My One kid, of he's the pleasant surprises. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the league will, will the league catch up to him? Yeah, but right now he's got the highest batting average and OPS on the team. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he has played enough that it's not like, oh, they didn't notice that he can't hit high fastballs or whatever the case might be. They play smart uh, defensively as, as well as offensively. Uh, maybe bring up Lenny and Sosa because you got to have two middle infielders. It's a rule because um, you got to have two on each side. You know, that's that's the new rule. Yes. <laughs> you could have just true. had three third basemen before. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, maybe bring up Lenny and Sosa. Romy's out for the season. Um, I don't think Romy's ever going to be a major leaguer. It is possible that Lenin is. Uh, he certainly has not shown it in the two times he's come up. But, you know, give him a shot. It doesn't matter. If the White Sox lose every game from here on out, it just does not matter. It does it's not. Be, it's it's, it's actually, but... I would argue that it's better to give these guys major league at-bats and, and let them feel major league hits. Just to uh, just to give them that development time at this point, I, I think and there's the, and the no next, reason. The next to one do on that else. is is Carlos Perez. Turn Yaz into DH. I mean, if you, I mean, try. To, you know, I I would if because teams have lost ca- catchers to injury. Nobody's going to take Yaz at six million dollars for the last third of the season. But if right. the White Sox ate half of it. Somebody might take him for three million for the for the last half of the season, especially if they're going to throw him in the DH spot again. A, a switch yeah. hitter who, if he's not catching, That's might power. be a little better. Uh, yeah. Being a full time DH, I you know we talk about this uh, at the beginning of the season on this podcast. We are a team of DHs. Um, unfortunately, so far we've had to let a lot of them play in the field. Um, somebody could. Somebody could go for Yaz if the White Sox are willing to eat three or four of the six million, uh, which I would be willing to do if I were the White Sox right now, just to just to unload and make the room and try to get, you know, you're not going to get a lot for Yasmani Grandal, but you might get a mid-level prospect that, and that's the thing about baseball, you know, top prospects, you, once you get outside of the real top level, you don't know who's going to actually pull no, it together. You, you absolutely don't. That's, that's why, the, I mean, First round of any draft is it's not full of thirty guys who made the major leagues and played well. It's no, just not. not at all, not at all. Um, and I think the the idea that Eloy Jimenez is untouchable is also absurd. And I'm hoping a smoke screen to try to get more for him um, because if they're not willing to unload Eloy, who would go wherever he goes, he would just be a DH. There's I, I can't see any teams in contention that are looking for a bad left fielder or a terrible right fielder. Um, I, I think he could be an extremely valuable DH for some of these teams. And I know he puts up a stink about, you know, I want to play the field. Well, he has more sway to say those things for the White Sox than he would if he were to go to a competitive team, um, especially as the new guy in town. 
he's going to have to go where people want him to go, just like Tim. Uh, I, I think the idea that he's untouchable is insane. And I, and I, I, and I think also, Illoy is, it, it can be such a happy camper. I mean, he, he's a joy as a guy. And if he goes to it, it's hard to do that on a team that stinks. Yeah. It's easy to do that on a good team, to be part of that winning spirit and verb in the land. And I think that would help him a lot, and he would help the team a lot. That, I that agree. Um, I think Eloy is extremely valuable, not in a White Sox uniform. I And I do firmly believe that. I believe in the kid. I believe in his attitude. I believe in his bat. I don't believe in much else. But a lot of teams need the attitude in the bat. And I, I think you're exactly right. If he if he were to go to a contender, I think he could be the kind of guy who just adds that little boost of fire. He's a guy who can DH regularly. He's a guy who can pinch hit when you need a, a big hit, a, a deep fly ball or a home run. I mean, he's a great candidate for that. I think the White Sox should absolutely be willing to sell Eloy Jimenez. And I would do it. I would do it right now. I would do it right now. <laughs> you know, the team I was just reading today desperately needs a right-handed bat where Eloy will not be going is the twins. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's, that's pretty safe to say. Although I'd be willing to deal with the twins right now. I mean, you're not going to catch them. And, and I, I, I'd be willing to deal with anybody in the AL central if they wanted someone I'd be like, sure, here, you can add this and be, you know, 83 and 81, uh, go 83 and 80, 83 and 81. That's 79, 83, 79. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the dog days of summer are affecting all of us. Hey, I got uh, Brandon on my watch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I think I think uh, they should be willing to send him anywhere if the price is right. Absolutely. Uh, and then Vaughn, I, I just don't understand the holding on to Andrew Vaughn thing at this point. I understood it two years ago, but now, I mean, we've seen enough, and he's dealing with injuries. I. You know, if you can get anything decent, again, he's him. not a he's not a bad baseball player, but he's not going no. to be a great baseball player. He's just not going to happen. No, and he he could be totally average, and I think you could see a decent uh, prospect return for Andrew Vaughn. Again, you're not going to get anybody's top three, but you could get some. Well, except they, they, there's multiple years of control with Vaughn, so there's that 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 ups his value. It does. It definitely does. However, you're talking about multiple years of control for a guy that you're not sure if he's going to be out there and you're not sure if he's going to produce. But, yeah, he, he certainly has that going for him, which is the only reason I think you would get someone's top 10 prospect for Andrew Vaughn right now. Whereas I think if you wait till next year, it might not happen for you. So I would unload all those guys. I absolutely would. There, there are two guys – on the roster, three if you include Hendricks, where I would say uh, you can't touch these guys, and that's Dylan Cease and Luis Robert, and I think you build the team around those guys right now. Um, Michael Kopech as well, because he shows flashes of brilliance. Um, yes. he, he looked he looked very good coming back from that god-awful uh, trip to Atlanta. He, he looked pretty good yesterday. He, he still walked four guys. He was barely over 50% strikes, but nobody was hit. And, yeah. and uh, the Mets are not a bad hitting team, and and nobody was hitting. Yeah, I mean, Kopech, except Kopech, Omar Navias. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, 
he is a guy where you have no clue what Michael Kopech you're going to get, but when he's on, it's video game stuff. I mean, it, it's just silly how much break he gets on the ball when he is on. Um, so, you know, I think he's a guy you got to hold on to and, and keep developing. But outside of those three slash four, I think this is a team where you should be pretty much willing to part ways with anyone else for the right price at, at this moment. Will it happen? No, you're not going to get offers on on 23 guys, 22 guys. But uh, definitely, I think everyone else should be available at this point. Um, that is about all the time we have for this week. Do you have any final thoughts before we... Well, coming, coming up immediately, we have three in Minnesota and then home or two with the Cubs and four with the Guardians. I said earlier, it doesn't really matter if they win any games the rest of the year, but I make an exception to that. I was wrong. The two Cubs games, they have to win. Yes, yes. Let's beat the Cubs. Let's absolutely do not sweep the Twins. Do not sweep the the Guardians. Don't make it look like we are a contender. We are not. But, yeah, bring the – I would just, you know, rest everybody through those and then put everyone out for the two games against the Cubs so we can at least end with bragging rights. I don't care what the rotation is. I would make sure it's it's Cease and, and Giolito or Cease and Kopech if Giolito's gone. Uh, just just focus it all on those two games for bragging rights within the city and let everything else go to hell. That silence tells me we are in agreement. You heard it oh, here yes. first. No, I, I thought I'd already done my last words. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that is all the time we have for this week. I'm excited. Next week, we'll probably be recording right before the deadline. We might have some moves done by then, or we might be just on the brink. Either way, the picture will become clearer, uh, and that will be an exciting podcast for us here. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Sharing Socks.